Let's see what the stew has in store for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, the Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we better be good. This episode, to foreshadow a thing, is brought to you by me and Jared and our awesome Patreon backers, and me and Jared might be in a little bit of trouble as I look around the gnome tree. But uh, the judicious Jennifer Kathleen, thank you, the superb Sam G, and the astounding Amadeo Rosa. Today it's me, Chris, as I mentioned, along with uh, the review gnome, Jared. But we are definitely standing on the edge of the stew pot. That kind of like being in a pickle? Yeah, instead of uh, being pickled, we get stewed. Is that a cutout of John Arcadian in a kilt with a two-handed sword? And why is there nacho cheese spelling out tools, not rules on his chest? Oh, oh yeah, man, I remember that. JT did that last night. Uh, I mean, that was after like the fifth shot of Jaeger or something. That still does not explain anything. Yeah, sorry, I got no idea where that came from. Anyways, we had a party last night in the gnome tree because Ange is out of town at Origins. Uh, Jared, I have to say, though, if we don't want to get thrown in the stew, we need to record this episode and clean up everything before she gets back. Yeah, we should get to it. I'm not ready to roll out clone number six. He's been writing reviews for WhatDoIKnowJR.com. Kind of like in that movie Moon with Sam Rockwell, where his clone woke up early, so I just found him something else to do for a while. I wonder how you got those reviews out so often, still managed to record Thaga with Advantage and run a couple games a week. That's impressive. Uh, yeah, let's get to it then. Uh, let's do the thing before the main topic. That is um, 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 the get to know known question. Sure thing. So, uh, so parties. We're going to talk about parties today, but they're essentially events in a game session. And I'm curious, what's another type of event situation, something with like a larger crowd and a potential large number of NPCs that you have dropped in a game and how did you pull it off? Well, when I was thinking about this, the first thing that popped into my mind was when I was running Marvel Heroic and we were doing the Civil War event and all of the heroes decided to ditch the press conference and leave the thing to face all of the reporters asking questions about what had been going on with the uh, the heroes that had gone rogue and didn't sign up for the uh, the Superhero Registration Act. And Ben took a whole lot of emotional stress in that encounter. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny i basically ran the reporters as a group so you know he could have knocked dice off of them and you know finished up the the encounter and everything would have gone great and instead he just kept taking more and more emotional stress until he finally gave up and uh wandered back into uh poor freedom's plaza <laughs> <laughs> that's funny poor ben he's not very good at that the thing is good at clobbering things but i don't know if he's so good at talking to reporters so chris what's uh what's one of these group events that uh you've thrown into a game so in my one of my D D games a long while ago like a like a year ago they were at a sporting event they were invited to go to a sporting event we have like elemental lacrosse in in my world like it's the big national sport so they were at the giant arena uh, like in the vip press boxes hobnobbing with npcs and whatnot so it's kind of like a party right like you're basically there to watch <laughs> sports and then also talk to people <laughs> so they're there talking to people and hobnobbing and in the in-betweens I'm like describing the lacrosse game that is going on on the field, which it's elemental lacrosse, so it's, you know, a little bit out there. <laughs> and then of course, sometime during the middle of that, a bunch of chimera folk attacked and uh, changed the whole, the whole situation <laughs> from being that. And they were in the, in the box with the, with the king and like a, a couple of important dukes and, and folks like that. So went from a sporting event to a situation. 
Yes. So it went from it went from one one kind of party to a combat situation where they could like then defend NPCs and and do all that stuff. But they got a long a good chunk of time to talk to people before that, which I'll probably talk about it later because it's one of the techniques that I like to use for parties. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let me uh let me just take this cut out of John and, and put it in storage. Should you clean it off first? I I don't know how well that that cheese ages. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? Plus, I kind of want to show John. I don't think he was here last night. If he was, I don't remember. <laughs> Anyways, I love a good party in my role-playing games. And I don't mean an adventuring party, but a social gathering of invited guests, typically involving eating, drinking, and entertainment. That's the actual definition of party. <laughs> little misdirected Mark definition panda for y'all. But this can be a bit overwhelming. And to get some kind of adventure inside of a party, along with introducing a bunch of non-player characters, is kind of it's kind of tricky. It's overwhelming at times. Uh, I mean, most adventure gaming typically involves dungeon crawling, exploration, and combat. And yes, of course, there's interaction and investigation in a lot of these kind of games. And I imagine Jared and I will probably have a number of our thoughts surrounding that idea. But we're going to do our best to give you some tools to help make your games pop a little bit more when the masquerade invitations go out. So we have a number of points to discuss. And my, uh, my first point, I think, is, is that's worth talking is... What is the purpose of the party? Like, we have a party in a game, but why do we have the party in the game, right? Like, that's probably the, the, mm-hmm. the first thing to think about. What are some reasons that you would drop a party in a game? Um, so are we talking in-game reasons or campaign structure reasons? Yes, both, why, both <laughs> ways, right? Like, there's, there's a lot of reasons, right? Well, one of the reasons you would have one in campaign is if you have holidays set up in your particular game. Uh, yeah, there you go. So that's always a good, you know, explanation. You might want to play Star Wars and, you know, introduce Life Day and have everyone walk around with their orbs and uh and their red robes. So you can redo the uh, cr- the the Christmas special, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> maybe maybe not. <laughs> we should talk about how you don't probably want to have a variety show as your <laughs> adventure structure. Probably for, not. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> Um, from a campaign standpoint, uh, party is a great way to introduce a lot of NPCs that you want your players to realize exist, that they are either a resource or a potential impediment, and you're introducing them in this manner where they can interact with them. But for example, if they're the campaign villain, they're probably not going to pull out a sword and stab them in the middle of a party. Although Wonder Woman did try that in her movie. That is true. These, these things happen now and again. <laughs> I think parties are great places to frame up certain things like the parlor mystery, if you want to have the parlor mystery, regardless of whether you're playing a fantasy game or a non-fantasy game. I mean, your Agatha Christie-styled Brindlewood Bay games, mm-hmm. parties are great for that kind of stuff, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I like what you said, interesting bunch of NPCs. I think they're great spaces and places to begin adventures. Mm-hmm. I think they're great places to transition from one adventure to another, too, one scenario to another. Those are some of my primary uses for them. Do you have any more, or are we going to you want to move on to the next thing? Let's move on to the next thing. I'm still kind of recalling some of my favorite in-game parties. So let's focus down some of the things that we talked about. Introducing NPCs. So how do we introduce a bunch of NPCs? Because parties have a lot of people at them usually. How do we do this without overwhelming our players and then help them remember who they've talked to? I do have a trick that I use for this that I've invented sort of recently in like the last year that's recently for me, I suppose. <laughs> So my thing is, is like, I like taking, when I'm playing in person, I suppose you could simulate this in a virtual tabletop in some way, shape or form, where I will take an image mm-hmm. and I will 
like an NPC card of some sort, you can get them from like the, the Pathfinder folks, the Piazzo folks, or some other places, or just, you know, print things out and cut them up. And then I will tape them to an index card that I have folded over and put the name of the person on both sides of it. Then I will take another index card and cover it. So like you would at a normal party, you can see the person and then somebody can choose to interact with them if they want. And when they do, when they learn their name, you pull the card off. Mm -hmm. So therefore you're not giving them 20 names at the beginning or whatever. <laughs> I think there was like 10, I think there was 10 NPCs in that session mm -hmm. that they could talk to. But over the course of like the first hour of the game, hour and 15, 20 minutes of the game, they eventually interacted with everybody. And as they did, we would remove one card at a time and it helped them remember later and then have them as visual and word mnemonic reminders for the rest of the session and going forward in perpetuity. Another thing that I've done a lot of is try to come up with something, maybe not over the top, but something that is different than how you would describe everyone else for each person that you want, you know, to stand out. So like, for example, in 7C, if I wanted, you know, someone to stand out at a party, I might describe everyone else having, you know, more like pastel colored clothing, but then one person has like a dark red suit on and that's going to draw their attention to that NPC and they're going to remember even if the name doesn't sink in, it's dark red suit person. I agree. Uh, that one distinguishing characteristic that makes them different from everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that one as a, as a great one to, to utilize. How do you get them to remember the fourth NPC as much as the first <laughs> NPC? That's my question. All right. So if we're talking about parties, you can do something that is similar to what I've seen people mention about spicing up combat before, and that is introduce the party in waves. At the beginning of the party, you have chit-chat. Maybe somebody walks up to them during the chit-chat section. You do something distinctive. They remember them from that section. Then there's dancing. You have somebody, you know, that they encounter during the dancing part of it. They have something different and distinctive about them. So now they're associating that person with the dancing portion of the party and remembering them separately. Then maybe you have, like, all the food gets brought out. And then you can, you know, introduce another npc that interacts with them when they all sit down to eat they probably would eat before they dance but that's okay yeah those that's a great idea i love the idea of introducing in waves that's fantastic because then you're breaking up the uh the beats right because mm -hmm. if you just go interaction after interaction after interaction you kind of get a little long in the tooth right oh yeah and it also kind of lets you set up maybe the person that they're meeting in the chit chat is a potential ally maybe the person that they meet in the dance is someone that's, you know, a, you know, a mystery person. They don't know whether they're on their side or against them. And then the person that they're talking to during the dinner, it's somebody that they absolutely think they are going to be pitted against at some point in time. Yeah, I think those are some pretty good tools to, for people to utilize to get, get that stuff in there, like reveal them in a way that makes them memorable and not all at once. And mm -hmm. then introduce them in waves. You combine some of these things, you got a real, a real good flow to your party going too. Mm -hmm. how do you raise the stakes in a party scenario or situation that's another good question why don't you go first with this one if you got something thinking back on some of the parties that i've thrown in game sometimes there's a matter of the pcs get invited but they also want to do something other than interact with the npcs for example in the 7c game that i ran they wanted to check on this person's ledgers to see if he was dealing with the um sorcerer from Montaigne that had been, you know, directing all of these ghost sailors with his sorcery. So you have somebody that is trying to sneak into that office while the rest of the group is trying to be innocuous. So then you have that tension of 
we have to act normal, they have to do something a little bit more action oriented and not draw attention to themselves. And you may even let them know that, you know, you need to get this done by the end of the night. Like once we're done, you know, once they play the final song, you've got to be out of there. And now we've shifted the purpose of the party from being just one thing, which could be introducing NPCs or introducing a new uh, adventure or, or finishing up an adventure or, or a beat in the middle of an adventure. That's how you can use the, the, the party as a beginning, a middle or an end to your current little story arc. Mm. Now the purpose has also become, it's a heist because that's essentially what we're talking about. Oh, definitely. And you can also tempt players, for example, if they do go there just to make you meet NPCs and they've been invited and they're just, you know, networking, but then you let them know that this person has this relic on display in the other room and you know that's going to really tempt one of your PCs, that creates tension right there because are they going to ruin the regular um, party and the nice normal interactions they're going to have by trying to sneak away and steal that thing? Or are they just going to maybe case the joint for a later, you know, mission? Yeah, right. Because that gives some interesting choices right there. I like everything you said there. Of course, that could lead (laughs) to the problems if you've not had these two to throw that out there for anybody who's like saying, but that's like bad player behavior. I'm like, it's only bad player behavior if you guys didn't like session zero it up beforehand or have a conversation during the session. Like, is it cool if I do this? Like, if you're the rogue, be like, I mean, is it cool if I go do this? Like, out of character, You you can do that. Or if you're playing, if you want to play in character more, just be like, can I go do this? Is that okay, everybody? I'm going to go steal this thing. And I'll split the proceeds. Just distract for me. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it's, it's worse if the person goes, steals the thing, never shares it with anybody else, you know, is doing something like that. It is another thing if you do, you know, keep up with the social contract and the person says, my character is really tempted to go see this thing, but you see it. You have a chance to stop it if you would like. Otherwise, I'm going to go do it. You know, that's a good way to handle that sort of situation without it just becoming one person taking over the whole session. Absolutely. Uh, the purpose of the party, let me jump back to that for a second. It's a tool. I love the idea that it could be a heist. Um, most, most parties, they're a series of events that occur throughout mm-hmm. the party. That is how, how parties tend to, tend to function. Like Jared said, you have the chit-chat hour, you have dinner, you have dancing, or whatever the events might be. We mentioned Mm -hmm. the definition, like there's entertainment and food. I think it's great to have moments that provide side adventures for characters or side stories, like to Mm -hmm. bring those things up, because these are great places to do that, or um, introduce new side plots that are potential. So like either hook characters in with their character stories that they've provided for you, and you want to make them feel like they're more part of the game or, you know, provide some extra side quest or alternate paths to the, uh, wherever your campaign is going. I think that's a parties are great places for that too, because it's just, you can drop a lot of information. Um, there was actually a recent article in Arcadia, the, uh, magazine that MCDM puts out. Mm -hmm. They said it was an adventure, but it was really a campaign event because they present you with like four different factions. There is someone too young to ascend to the throne, but they're very close to being old enough to ascend to the throne. And each of these factions wants somebody else on the throne. And there is basically this gala that happens as the culmination of all of these NPCs. And throughout the gala, you can find out why each faction wants a different person on the throne. And you have the opportunity to make deals, you know, like, for example, Somebody may not trust the young person on the throne, but on the other hand, 
they don't despise that person they might ally to them if you bring up that this other faction is thinking of getting somebody on the throne so you have all of that kind of politicking that you can do in the middle of that as well yeah and when you start introducing factions that way and your players your player characters in your game whether you're a player or a game master and since we're a game mastering podcast when your players you're looking at them as a, as the game master they don't have any faction that they're allied to they become the wild card Mm-hmm. And then people might start vying for their assistance and offering them things. So then they can wheel and deal. And that's a thing to think about as game master. Like your players become the wild card for these different factions in this situation. That means they're all probably trying to bribe them or get leverage on them or do something for them. Usually try to bribe, but you don't want to leverage on players or characters too much is then they'll just try to, you know, turn on those people as fast as humanly possible. Now it's, it's more fun once they once the PCs are moving towards a particular faction to support, that then one of the other factions makes their life hell going forward, but not necessarily beforehand before they make their choice. And well, me and Jared are making a lot of references to this in the idea of adventure gaming, like fantasy adventure gaming. This stuff applies to modern and mm-hmm. sci-fi style games too, or Victorian era. Pick your pick your flavor of game. I mean, if it's a modern game, we're talking about the mayor's fundraiser. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about a sci-fi game, it can, you can still do the space emperor thing if you want to, or whatever corporate, I mean, if we're going to go cyberpunk, whatever corporation's throwing the party, right? So like any of these things can, can be translated to any of those other genres, like the Victorian era one, you're talking about, you know, the local, uh, the local Dutch duchess or Dutch, uh, or Duke who is throwing this party or the, if it's London, you know, there's aristocracy there. So they usually have fancy parties with like bringing, like presenting people to society and stuff. I think that went on even to the late 1800s, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, speaking of other genres, like you could have the son of some uh, corporate bigwig opening up a club that he owns yep. in a cyberpunk game. And that's a good time to, you know, you know, the opening night at that club is definitely going to be a party. Yeah, and that's a that's a great place for wh- whatever part in your campaign that you're at. Like, if it's the middle of your campaign or the middle of a story, and you're like, "Well, we know that this person's going to be at this party, and we need to abscond with some information in their head," right? Then that's a yeah. great place to go get them. Or we need to go meet somebody here to get a new job. Or we need to go meet somebody here to drop off the information, and that's the only place that that's the place that they set because it's a public venue. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, guns probably get drawn, and everybody starts shooting each other at, at the party. <laughs> Which causes all sorts of other problems. Oh yeah, parties are, parties are fun. They should be events, right? Like mm-hmm. you get the masquerade ball, you get the whatever the like you said the club party. These should be events where major things probably happen. Otherwise, I don't know why you're using the party. You know the other thing though that is good for some types of parties is if you have a group of PCs that have certain skills, this could let them shine. Let's say your party instead of dancing for that third section or in part of the the dancing there is a band performing and you have a character that has perform skills. Mm -hmm. This could be their chance to shine. It's not even necessarily advancing the overall plot. It's advancing like a personal character goal of getting their name out there and getting recognition by playing this party. Or if you already have a person who's got some amount of recognition as a bard or a performer, like a rocker boy or whatever version of I'm a musician exists in your game and they're well-known, like, they could get invited on the stage to perform a number. So, therefore, they're not playing the whole night, but they just got spotlighted for being fairly famous in that situation. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, if it's dancing, and they get on the dance floor, and they're very good at dancing, they can steal the show for a, for a moment, right? We see that <laughs> in movies all the time. 
Yeah, that's all. That's all really good stuff. Or if they're famous adventurers or famous whatevers, they could get asked to give like a, a small speech mm-hmm. because they're well known. That's a good way to highlight the fact that they've been in the campaign setting for a while and have done some memorable things and people recognize that. I used to find that being a big problem that I used to get complaints about when I used to run like a long time ago. It's like, are we like important? I'm like, I guess you are. <laughs> Maybe I should highlight, highlight that you're important in some way, shape, or form. And now I try to do that before those questions start popping up and remind yeah. the characters and the player characters that they are actually important when they become important. Slight tangent, but um, in my my uh, game recently, the PCs were going to be held over for trial. But because they were important people that worked for the local ruler, I made sure to express that the prison that they were put in wasn't like, you know, terrible dungeons. I was like, this is the prison that you could basically walk walk out of if you wanted to. You're just not going to have any social clout if you don't, you know, stick around and and do this trial. You're not going to have your cushy jobs anymore or anything like that. But this is one of those nice places where it's basically just an apartment where they wait on you hand and foot, but they tell you don't leave. And that kind of reinforces that idea that you're not just, you know, the, the scummy mercenary adventurers anymore. Yeah, I agree. The party can function in a lot of ways, right? It's, <laughs> it's not quite a framework, right? It's a situation. Mm-hmm. You can attach a framework to it, a lot of different kinds of frameworks to it, and then just play your game out the way that you want to. But it's a nice event that is not, I'm going to try to destroy your city with an earthquake or a zombie, zombie horde attacking or pick pick monstrous horde that attacks city or mm-hmm. i don't know cataclysmic <laughs> event that occurs i'm trying to think of the other versions of events that exist out there yeah well and the other thing that i was thinking that this is speaking of other genres um if you have characters in a supers game and they are legitimized heroes but they still have secret identities that is a great time to have people that they know in their personal lives show up at that same party and interact with them maybe they're there for a charity and they're in their full superhero gear and they have to deal with this person maybe recognizing them if they interact with them too much there's just a lot of things you can do with a party yeah or the if you want to flip that on its head the other way they're there as them their non-superhero identity with their significant others in their lives their their loved ones in their lives at this you know, gathering and people don't know that they're superheroes and then they see their, their villains are also not in their villain costume. So now we have to be, we have to play nice, right? It's a great way to talk to your villains without having to punch your villains. You know, the funny thing is, is since the sequel is out right now, that just reminded me of the whole scene in, uh, into the spider verse when they're, uh, at the dinner that Kingpin is hosting and, uh, Peter sees, uh, the Mary Jane from that universe after he's broken up with the one in his universe and he's like riffs over to her instead of following the plan. (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's a thing that happened. That's a lot of tools. We provided a lot of tools for everybody (laughs) to use. I hope you all enjoyed these tools. I think we're good here, right? Yeah. And even if we're not, there's a lot of sticky stuff on the walls still here yet. There is. I mean, I got the mop and bucket out and we've, we've been going along as we've been doing this, but there's already like 12 bags of garbage. We may need a power washer. Uh, I, I can order one. Hold on. Just give me a second. All right, Jared, I, I called for the power washer. Uh, I guess we should get out of here, huh? Yeah, probably. Well, this show, it's funded by the Gnomes 2 Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnomes 2 website to the Gnomes 2 Patreon. There's a lot of Gnomes 2 Patreon words there. <laughs> I didn't write this copy. I just copied it. And then I read it. By the way, 
This ad is brought to you by Masks Are Aids. Masks Are Aids will help you pick the perfect mask to aid in whatever daily task you wish to accomplish. You want to be a better writer? We'll get you that Charles Dickens mask to inspire your writing. Want to crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and hear the lamentations of their significant others? We have Conan and Red Sonia masks for you. Yeah, right? At Masks Are Aids, we have the perfect mask for you. If you're enjoying the Gnome Cast, you'll probably like many of the other misdirected Mark shows. Here's one to check out. Panda's talking games. Queer gamers talking about tabletop role-playing games and making outtakes. Join Pandas, Phil, and Senda. They are on every Wednesday answering listener questions about playing, running, and designing tabletop role-playing games. I think you should get cozy and talk about some games with them while chewing on some bamboo, which they have in their bamboo lounge. And it's almost always <laughs> gone at the end of every episode, and we have to ship in new ones. It's kind of a cost thing, but bamboo's kind of che- cheap enough, I guess. Anyways. <laughs> You can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Twitter, and gnomestew on Facebook. Jared, where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me or one of my clones at whatdoineknowjr.com. And I did want to bring up, just out of curiosity here, um, the Marvel Multiverse RPG is coming out soon. The main reason I wanted to bring that up is because I did an article looking at the original playtest version. And they have done some significant changes in that game. Like if you want to see a game that took a lot of the feedback that they got in the playtest time period seriously and made some major overhauls, I am really interested to dig into the final version of that. Just seeing some of the changes that have been made over the last year. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to read it then. I, I read that playtest deck and I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. Like, it seems <laughs> all right, I guess. I don't know. I'm not super excited to play it, right? So I'm, I'm excited to go and look at the new thing. You can find me at Light 101 on Twitter. You can also go to at Misdirected Mark. I pretty much respond to that constantly. So, and that's in all places. Uh, so that's the thing you want to shout out, Jared, the Marvel multiverse role-playing game? Yeah, I think so. Cool. So for me, it is a uh, to go in the vein of and I'm going to talk about YouTube because I like talking about YouTube. <laughs> there's a there's a channel that I am very fond of called XP to level three. It's very funny. He does these videos. And um, during COVID, like he used to have his friends come on. He still every once in a while has his friends come on. But now he's just like his, his own shop. Like he just does it all himself. And he'll do a lot of the shots where he has like himself in the shot like two or three times talking to himself and it's all jokes about dungeons and dragons like a lot of it's good information a lot of times too but he's sitting there making fun of the D thing i very much enjoy the videos where he is being like the super cool dude at the D table like he gets killed he's like that's fine if that's where my character story ends i can understand that plus i have plenty of other ideas i don't mind if i died i'll just bring another character next time and we'll have a great time <laughs> videos crack me up all right, well, Jared, do you think we got this place cleaned up enough, or do you think we're in trouble? Uh, hey, Chris, have you noticed the, um, where's the stew pot at? What do you mean, where's the stew pot? It, it's missing. The stew pot is missing. The, what? The, the, uh-oh. Um, um, red alert, red alert, stew pot. We gotta find stew pot.